One more time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want our children to be comfortable in His presence. I don't want it to be so that our children have never seen a move of the Holy Spirit. I want it to be a common everyday occurrence that every time we come together, we feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to be free to praise the Lord and free to dance in His presence from the youngest child to the oldest adult. They'll be free to worship the Lord, to sing praises to His name. Glory to God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I love what the Scriptures say that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Thankful for His presence. So conscious of His presence today. So conscious of the fact that if we don't have that, we don't have anything. We can have the best programs. We can put them all together with precision and accuracy. But if we don't have the move of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Nothing. So I don't want church to be something where we just go through the motions. I want it to be a real meaningful encounter with God. We need it in this day, folks. This world is quickly disintegrating morally in front of our very eyes. If there's ever been a time that we need to just stand firm and know what thus saith the word of the Lord. You better know this book, I'm telling you. You better know what the Bible says because there's a lot of stuff out there that is attributed to God that God's got nothing to do with it. And we need to understand what the Bible says. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12, verse 48 this morning. I want to read this passage of scripture because I, I want to consider some things about the responsibility of the blessing of being blessed. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. But unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Now that simply says to us that those of us who have been enlightened to know the Word of God and who have had the privilege and opportunity to sit under the preaching of the Word of God for all these years, then more is being required of us than those who don't know. Now that doesn't mean that uh, we're not supposed to try to enlighten people so that they won't be required to um, be responsible. But it simply means that if we have a lot of knowledge of God and God's ways, then that we are expected to be on a higher level and a higher plane than many people. 
A lot of people don't understand the struggle that comes with success. And I'm labeling success in a very loose term today because some people, um, some people regard success as to what size house you live in or how many automobiles you might own or how much money you have in the bank. But that's not necessarily what I want to refer to as success. But because success to me is a person who has tremendous influence and who has been opened up by God and God's providence to be able to speak into people's lives. And that is something that, that, that I think is of great value. We don't see how much sweat and blood and tears have been put into a person becoming successful. All we see is the end product. All of a sudden, I'm just going to give you an example. Excuse me for referring to a, a family member of mine. I have a nephew whom I haven't seen probably a half dozen times in the last, I guess, 30 years. He doesn't live that far away. But he started out just working with a tree company, you know, putting limbs in these shredders and, and just picking up the limbs. And I really didn't realize to the extent of his um, success until I started noticing, I, like everybody else, I was curious, so I pulled up on Facebook to see what my nephew was up to. And he's got a huge tree company these big old trucks with these long arms on them and things I would have never thought was in him. But because of him going through the process of getting to where he is now, you know, I, I didn't see him through all those years of sweat and tears and, and, and the struggle to just make the payments and get by <clears throat> All I can see now is his name on the side of all these big trucks he has. And I thought about how that is in, in, in the kingdom of God. We see people who are walking in the anointing and walking in the authority of God. And we just assume that, that God just puts that on people indiscriminately, you know, like that. But that is not what Scripture teaches the scripture teaches that we can have as much of God as we want. I mean, God is no respecter of persons. God's going to bless those who pay the price for the blessing. For those who are willing to do what is necessary to do in order to get the blessings. There's no way that God is going to be able to equip you to be the soldier of the cross that you need to be without you going through those struggles in life that you, we don't like to talk about. Most of the time we like to hear sermons about victory and joy and happiness and, and all of those things. And every one of us desire those kinds of places in our life. But we realize that between every two mountains there's a valley. There would be no mountain if there were no valley. And it's in the valley, the scripture says, that he restoreth my soul. 
It's in the times of struggle. It's in the times of sleepless nights. It's in the times of just being before God and just coming before Him and sometimes so burdened and so stressed until all you can do is just say, God, 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 you know, and I'm trusting you. And it's in those kinds of moments and times that we learn strength and we learn power. It was when David was watching those sheep out there for his dad when he was just a teenager. Those times when he learned to speak softly to those sheep, when he learned to play and sing and make melody to those sheep, when he learned also to be a great soldier and kill the wild animals who were threatening to destroy his sheep. It was in those times that God was molding him and making him into a great leader, a great worshiper, and a great man of God that will be, the Bible says, none other was like him. We like to see him and we like to hear him talk about uh, killing Goliath. Picking up five little smooth stones. And God directing that stone to kill that great giant. We love that story. But we don't see all the struggle that he went through to get to that place in life. We see each other in here on Sunday. And our hands are in the air. And we're worshiping God. And we're glorifying His name. And, and we think, oh man, if I just had the level of victory and glory that that person is having. But you may not understand the struggles that that person has gone through for the entire week. And they are literally in the sacrifice of praise at that moment. It's in those times when you don't feel like praising. It's in those times when all hell has been breaking loose in your life and in your children and in your family. But when you say, I'm going to praise God anyway, when I'm going to give glory to God anyway, I'm going to praise Him anyway because He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. That's when we understand the value and the responsibility that comes with blessings. Number one, every blessing requires responsibility. I wanted you to see that. Are you willing to pay the price to get the blessing? God gave man the Garden of Eden to enjoy. But he was not there without responsibility. God said, the Word says that God put Adam and Eve in the garden to dress it and to keep it. There's a responsibility. Even I mean, even them out there, lying up there on the beach of the, of the rivers, and they've got all this good fruit to eat of, everything that they could possibly imagine, except that one tree. And God said, I'm going to give you something to keep you busy. You're going to have to dress and keep the garden. And if you will stay busy with your responsibility, you won't have time to eat of the forbidden tree. So I'm going to give you something to do. The worst thing in the world that we can do is have too much idle time. Have too much time of doing nothing. 
Because when we have too much time of doing nothing, we begin to explore ways that we can uh, create a little bit of excitement in our life. That's why if we're going to have the blessings of God, it's going to require the responsibility that goes with it. If you want to walk in the anointing, that means you've got to walk in the anointing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and not just on Sunday. It is such a relevant, potent thing that everywhere you go, when you've got the anointing of God on your life, where you go is where God goes. Why? Because I got him in me. We just declared I am a child of God. So where I go is where God's going. When I reach out my hand and I touch my brother, God through me is touching my brother. When I speak the words of the Lord, it is the Lord. So understand now the responsibility that goes with being the container that holds all that power and all of that anointing. We are only the container. The Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. And it has never left the earth since then. I know there are people that preach, you know, that um, all that stuff ended with the early church and the day of Pentecost. That was the last of it. It never again. Well, I just don't see God starting the church in the power of the Holy Ghost and then just pull it all away from us and leave us to make it on our own the best we can. I believe that the Holy Ghost is still real. I believe God still heals bodies. I believe God still directs us when we pray. Hallelujah. And I go along with Vice President Pence when he says God speaks to him. I believe God will speak to every child of God. I believe if you don't believe it, read the Bible. That's God speaking to you automatically. But I'm telling you, we've got to understand that there is a responsibility that goes in, in, in carrying the anointing and the power of God with you. That's, that, would be like a, that would be like a woman saying, well, I, I want a nice home and I want a good family but I'm not going to clean and I'm not going to cook and I'm not going to do any of that stuff, but I want a nice home and I want a family. Hello? Understand, I don't care how much the house costs, dust will get on the furniture. I don't, I don't care how nice you are, your bathroom will need cleaning. Everybody's does. So there's a responsibility that goes with benefits. I want the benefits. I want the power of God. I want this church to be on fire for God. But I know it takes responsibility in order for that to take place. Glory to God. I want to tell you, God wants to see us on a level of consistency every day of our life. Listen, folks. This is why the giving principle is so important in Scripture. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, he said, every week 
Let everyone lay in store as God hath blessed them. That's a consistent week-by-week process of training your budget and yourself to give to God as God is giving to you. Every week God gives to you, so every week you give back to God. It is the consistency that you establish to where you begin to see. And one day you got the big truck with your name on it. You don't even remember when it all happened. But all you know was you was just doing where God had had you doing it and doing it to the best of your ability. And all of a sudden, there it is. God has done something supernatural in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Number two, values change as you grow. When I was a boy, we didn't have a television. I know that's hard for people to comprehend. But we didn't have a TV until I was almost grown. And we got that one because my dad won it. But anyway, don't feel sorry for me. I had a great, I had a great home life growing up. We didn't have money, but we had God, and we had each other, and that made us rich. Well, I'm telling you, rich. But I used to walk about three miles, me and my brothers, because we wanted to go see what we called wrestling. Every Saturday night, that thing would come on. It wouldn't come on till about 10 or 11 o'clock, I don't remember. But we would work all day long. And man, we would hurry up and take a bath, you know, and uh, you ever had one of those baths when you about the fourth or fifth one getting in the same tub of water? Anybody ever been there? Now some of you have. Some of you have and you didn't raise your hand, but some of you, some of you know what I'm talking about. By the time the fourth or fifth one's in, that water's pretty slicky then. You know, it's kind of, you know, you don't even need no soap, you just can do that. But we would, we would hurry up and, and, and take our bath and, and take that long walk about three miles because somebody in our neighborhood had a television. And we'd go there, and I'm the youngest of, of my brothers at that time, and, and I thought I was big as they were, you know, and I'm there with them step for step all the way. And we'd sit there and we'd wait. Man, I'd wait. I'd try so hard to stay awake until wrestling would come on. And I've barely made it sometimes. Most of the times, I didn't even make it. They'd have to wake me up to walk home those three miles. But you know what? I wouldn't walk three steps to go see wrestling now. Because the value of what wrestling has to offer changed with me as I grew and I matured and other things became important to me. Have you ever noticed that? That as you get older in life, those things you thought were so important, you know, certain house, certain car, certain kind of furniture, you know, certain kind of clothes. That was it, man. We had to have it. Our children had to have it because everybody's doing it and everybody's wearing it. And you don't want your children to stand out from everybody else. So we do all that. 
And the older you get, the more you realize that's just a bunch of bunk. I mean, somebody has just thrown a bunch of junk at you and that stuff don't mean nearly as much to you as it did earlier in life. And this is what I'm saying now. It's because as we grow and as we get older, I remember when microwaves first came out. Microwave oven, people were afraid of them. They wouldn't buy them for a long time because they thought that they were so radioactive and I don't know how a microwave works. Richard Collins could probably tell us, but I don't, I don't know how that works, but I know it works, you know, but people for a long time wouldn't, wouldn't have one because they were afraid it was going to blow up anything that would make stuff that hot, that fast. It had to be dangerous and they didn't want it. And now there's hardly a home that doesn't have it. So we see how the value of things begin to change as we get older and as we get more mature in the things of God. I've seen churches who absolutely split wide open because they couldn't agree on what color carpet to put in the church or they couldn't agree on what color the walls should be painted. I said, my God have mercy. We've reduced the kingdom of God to what color paint or what color carpet. We ought to be to the place that we're looking for people's souls and looking for their hearts and we're looking for them to be containers of the anointing so we can walk in the glory that God has called us to walk in. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Once you move on with God, you can never go back to what you used to be. I like that song. I won't go back. I can't go back. I will not go back to where I used to be. Once you have passed and crossed these certain obstacles in your life, and God has given you the victory over them, you say never again, never again, never again will I allow myself to get caught in that thing anymore. God has given me the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ and I am past that and beyond that and I'll never go back to that again. Remember when Satan shall come in? Like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I want to tell you, God Almighty is powerful and he is more than able to touch you and give you victory and give you strength in the struggle of your life. Hallelujah, that he's called us to be. Jesus was called the carpenter's son. They couldn't get beyond the fact of what he was when he was just a boy. And there are people that you will come in contact with who will constantly remind you of what you were before you met the Lord, who will constantly let you remember and help you remember what you used to be before you became a child of God. But now we can say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And that's the, that's the great victory that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then thirdly, successful people are passionate people. You don't just happen 
to be successful. Success carries with it a lot of intense desire. I love to see children who will study without having to be pushed along by their parents. I love to see, I love to see students who will carry a bunch of books home with them and read them just for the sheer joy and enjoyment of reading and exploring worlds that are out there. The passionate desire to excel, to want to go on somewhere with God. But a lot of people are like the blind man at the beautiful gate of the temple. A lot of people are sitting there waiting for somebody to come along and give him a blessing. And he had been sitting there, I don't know how long, but Peter and John came along, and he was expecting to get some money from them. You see, that was as far as he had been able to believe for. Sitting and waiting for somebody else to do it for him. Oh God, help us today. That's, that's the biggest that his faith could get was to sit there and wait for somebody to drop his, a piece of money in his little cup. But Peter and John came by and he held out his hand as usual expecting, now there was a key, expecting to receive from them. On that level, that's what he had the faith to receive he expected to receive on that level. But Peter said, I'm going to introduce you to a higher level. I'm going to let you see something that you can't even possibly think about because you are satisfied on this level and you're thinking that's all God's got for you is on that level crippled. You can't walk. You've resigned yourself to the fact that it'll never be any better. This is the way life is for me. I can't do anything about it. All I've got to do is sit here and ask other people to feel sorry for me. But Peter said, I'm going to give you a chance to rise to a higher level. Glory to God. I'm going to open up to you an avenue of blessing. And he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. And this is what he said. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I am introducing you to something higher, to something better, to something that will carry you to places you've never been able to enjoy before. I'm telling you, that's what the Lord's wanting to do in this church. Because so many of us have been satisfied just to come and sit and because the air conditioner worked good or the heater worked good or the lights are working good and I've got a good place to sit, we're satisfied to sit and let somebody else come along and drop something in our hand. But I'm here to tell you, it's a new day. There's a new anointing. There's a new power that God is unleashing in the kingdom now. And he's wanting us to rise to a higher level. I can't be satisfied to sit and wait any longer. I have to rise up in the name of Jesus. 
the difference of a visionary and a dreamer. A dreamer just sits there and thinks about it. But a visionary jumps up on his feet and say, let's do it. Here's the way to do it. I believe God is calling some visionaries who will reach forth and say, this is the way to do it. And here I'm going to lead the way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God and pass the biscuits. Ah. But successful people are not just lackadaisical, easy, any old things all right. Can it, is anything any more disgusting than that? The Bible says that God said in the church of Laodicea, He said, I wish you were hot or cold. I want you to be one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. The only thing that's necessary for lukewarmness is to do nothing. You can take a pot of boiling water, take it off the stove and it's boiling. And you can sit it beside the stove on the counter and just let it sit there. And just let it sit there. Let it sit there. And you go back later. You can put your hands in it. You can wash your hands in it because it's got cold. And it got cold because no one was doing anything with what had been happening there. And I'm telling you, when these days of anointing, when the Word of God is going out, when the power of the Holy Spirit is being manifested like it is, and all we're doing is nothing, well, we get lukewarm. Oh, we still like to hear about it. We like to hear the way it used to be and God used to move and change whole communities. I'm telling you, change whole communities. One church would have revival in every church in that community. They would all flock in there, buddy, and they would have revivals that changed the whole communities. I pray to God that once again, we would get passionate about our relationship with God. And we would understand it's not a take it or leave it situation. It is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of success or failure. It is a matter of my children being able to rise up with pride and look at the dad and look at mom and say they set the standard before us and now we're going to walk in it and do what God has called us to do. Lord, help us, I pray, in these last days that we would be able to do that because when the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to burn... Number four is fire gives light. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to burn, it produces light. It produces circumstances. Your critics will rise up as never before. The stronger your walk with God, the stronger the opposition will be against you. There will be those that will be hard for you to distinguish between your friend or your enemy. 
When Jesus was at the Last Supper with His disciples, John the Beloved and Judas were at the same table. They were in the very close presence of God, both of them. And Jesus made a statement and He said, One of you will betray Me. And Peter looked over there at John that was leaning on Jesus' bosom, the Word says. And he motioned for John to find out who it was that was going to betray Him. And Jesus said, He that putteth His hand with Me in the bowl is going to betray Me. I'm telling you, the more you walk with God, the more you will find out that you don't fit in this world Do you feel like I do that you're out of place almost everywhere you go? Other than in our own home where the Lord is honored. Any place just about you go, you feel like that you just simply don't fit in. Because the stuff that they like, you don't like. And the things that they do, you can't do them because you're a child of God. I want to tell you right now, because you have on the garments of the Holy Spirit, you've got on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. You're dressed for where you're going, not where you are. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey! Praise God, praise God, praise God. There have been a few times that I have finished a wedding and usually when I finish a wedding, I've got a boutonniere up on my coat and there's been some times that on the way home, I would have to stop at a, at a store for something to pick up something and I'd walk in there and I've got this flower on my coat and I'm dressed all up, man. And they're watching me and looking me up and down. They're saying, that is a weird dude right there, buddy. I mean, I want you to see how he's dressed. I want you to see what's going on with this fella. I don't know what he's going to do. We better watch him. I usually have to explain. I've been in a wedding or I'm going to a wedding. That's why I'm dressed like that. And that's why I don't feel at home in this world. Because I'm not dressed for this world. I'm dressed for the next world. I'm dressed for where I'm going, not where I am. Glory to God. I'm here, but I'm headed to a far country. Amen. Abraham said, I'm going to a country. I'm seeking for a city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. No, I don't fit in this world. No, I can't do the things that other people do, but don't feel sorry for me. I'm not dressed for this world. I'm dressed for the next world. Glory to God. And I'm believing, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it won't be long. And that one that I've been longing to see, I'm going to see him. And it won't be long. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about the importance of the body working together. You know what? The heart can't say to the kidneys, you're not important because you don't pump blood. I pump blood. What do you do? 
Well, you find out pretty quickly that it takes all of the parts of the body working together in order for you to be healthy. So you can't, you can't define, the last one, you can't define success without purpose. Success has to do something. It has to bring forth a desired result. And I was thinking about that. There's, there's just so many things in Scripture. So many things in Scripture that is so important for us to understand. Success is just being able to walk in the anointing of God even though your circumstances may not be ideal. Your faith in God never wavers. You believe no matter what, God will be glorified. No matter what, we're going to win this thing, folks. David Jeremiah said this morning, it's over. <laughs> it's over. God already won. He's already won. The, the battle is already won. The victory is ours. No way we can lose. No way we can lose if we're a passionate child of God. I want to be a passionate man of God. Glory to God. Before they put me on a slab and, and put a tag on my toe, <laughs> I want to be able to have accomplished what the Lord put me in this world to do. I want to see souls brought into the middle of the night. Glory to God. I want to see souls brought to the kingdom of God. Let's don't lose sight of that, folks. In the middle of all of our programs, and thank God for all that we're doing to try to help people get a, a leg up in life and all of the clothes and the food and the things that we do to help people. Let's don't forget that our first priority is to give people Jesus Christ. For people to get saved, to remember that Jesus is our hope and that He is our strength and that He is our deliverer. It hurts to push yourself. I asked Mike back there this morning if he's still running every day. He said yes. And I said, I'm glad I'm not. I'm just glad I don't have to. I would probably have problem running from here to the back wall. And I'm glad for those that can. They're passionate about that. And I'm proud for you. But I'm telling you right now, God has called this church to a higher level. I don't think we're going to be able to be satisfied just to pay the bills and rock along like some of us have been doing. I believe God is requiring more out of us now. We've been extended more light. We've been given more understanding. Prophecies have come forth and been delivered for us and to us. And we cannot afford to let the pot of boiling water go down to nothing. We've got to catch it while it's hot. 
and use it for the kingdom of God. God is moving mightily in this church even this morning. I have felt the unction of the Holy Spirit. I have felt the presence of God. I know God is doing something awesome in here today. Don't just allow it to go out. Stand with me, please. Glory to God. I've got three or four more pages I could bring to you today, but I feel like you understand what I'm saying and what I'm trying to get across to you. There is a price to pay when you carry the anointing with you. And God has anointed us to carry his word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you now. There is no one else like you, no one else for you. God, we need you like we've never needed you before. If anybody is in this church today and you have not made a decision to serve the Lord, I want to give you a chance right now to come down here and take my hand and let me pray with you and let me lead you in a prayer that will introduce you to my friend Jesus. Is anybody in here today? You're not saved. Maybe you did many years ago, but you've, you've allowed life and the things that have happened in life to push you away from the presence of God. And you would like to be restored back to God again. I'm here waiting for you. Will you come and join me here? God is here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak over this congregation.